0: If you think you felt a great disturbance in the Force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the Secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it
1: is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? (laughs) Inglorious Trexperts. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, that's not a TV show. But it is. But it is. It It is.
0: is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts, as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. (laughs) Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever, whatever you, whatever, you, whatever you have that streams, other than a ViewMaster. You download it, and and then you watch it, hundred percent free. There's no charge. Yeah. There's no Patreon. There's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us on Electric Now. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're gonna love. Trexperts Briefing Room, a new series. Briefing
1: Room? What is that?
0: I was about to explain, then you interrupted me. I'm sorry. It's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek.
1: Sounds like fun.
0: It will be. (laughs) <laughs> and you could find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts Briefing podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman.
1: And this is Darren Docterman, And we are the Inglorious
0: Track Experts. And have we got a very special show for you today. Joining us is Adam Malin. Adam is the co-CEO of Creation Entertainment, now celebrating the 50th anniversary of their conventions this year with his partner, <laughs> Gary Berman. Uh, and they're, uh, they're returning to Vegas this August with a new Star Trek blowout, the 55 year mission edition. Uh, It reminds me of the great sci-fi summits of of yore that we used to go to in Pasadena. They've been doing these conventions in Vegas for many years. They're back finally after um, being sidelined by this horrible uh, pandemic this last year and a half. And uh, it's gonna be exciting. And we have Adam here to tell us all about it along with some really great fun stories From the last 50 years, five decades of creation conventions. The
1: power of creation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And now, a man from another science fiction universe, which is uh, uh, equally as miraculous. Uh, They've never even been together in public, and I'm delighted to present to you the father of Star Trek.
1: I'd like to announce right here
2: I am a Star Wars fan. Yeah. I have been from the first time I saw it. When I first saw it, I was sort of angry because it was one of those films you see that I wish I had done. <laughs> and then I had that terrible feeling that I don't think I really could have.
1: <laughs>
2: the great pleasure. For me, and I think for George too, in, in this, is that uh, we have our own shows and our own universes. Go, yeah! And, and neither of us have, have tried to do the other ones. And, uh, and there's a lesson in that for all of you. Uh, do your thing, you know.
0: <laughs> what they did, what we do here, we do in an hour. Right. What they did, they did in 50 years. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're really happy to have Adam. I've known Adam, you know, I've known Adam for a long time. I, I mentioned on the show, you know, I think one of the first conventions I ever went to was a baseball card slash sci-fi show in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was very young, uh, I actually met Adam at, at that show for the first time. And, um, you know, over the years, we'd go to all these conventions in New York. Um, including at the Statler Hilton, which became the Hotel Pennsylvania. Always a dump. <laughs> <laughs> Never. But, but the conventions were great. In the, the best the, you know. sense of that word. Yeah. No, like, like all of New York was a dump in the 70s. Yeah. So yeah. it was like it was nothing, nothing, nothing uh, different. But um we go, I remember very fondly, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show with Angelique. Where we talked about Angelique Pettyjohn, seeing her and her dancing and seeing the Star Trek Wrath of Khan trailer for the first time right. um, in 1982. Um, you know, and it was exciting to be able to get a hotel room, stay in the city with your friends and go to these conventions. And you always knew you would see good guests and uh, exciting dealers room and, and have a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, many years later, you know, I was uh, brought into to to, to pitch cleanup um, on the conventions. They would do four or five a weekend and Adam would do one and Gary would do one. And you had uh, Scott Mance, our good friend Scott Mance doing. And they they would have me do, you know, the one in Albuquerque or (laughs) Cincinnati or 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 uh, uh, um, I forget Indianapolis in the uh, the Bush uh, Leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was always it was always a fun time. And that was back in the the early 90s. And I did a bunch of those for them. And, and, and uh, as I've mentioned on the show before, I was lucky enough to do a show in San Diego where it was the first time I ever met D. Kelly, you know, and mm-hmm. it was the only time I ever met D. Kelly and spent some time with him. And uh, that was great because I'm able to say I hit for the cycle, having known uh, right. all, you know, all the original Star Trek actors in some capacity.
1: I never got um, to I never got to go to any of the conventions in New York while I lived there. But uh, when 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 we moved to Chicago in uh, 79, uh, I got to go to uh, to my first one creation show in downtown Chicago. And it was uh, like a a light being turned on. It was this Mm -hmm. whole aspect of life that I had no idea about. And it was so much fun. And I just kept going and going and going. And here I am.
0: (laughs) You know, I know, you know, people always, you know, some people say, uh, you know, hey, this is this is. You know, not a fan convention. They do it for profit. And, 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 you know, what's wrong with that? Because at the end of the day, you know, the great thing about creation is, you know, the actors know they're going to get paid because, God, I've been at some fan conventions. We've talked about this one that yeah. ended up being funded by the mob where, you know, the <laughs> the, the the owner of the convention ended up uh, disappearing the second day. And most yeah. of the cast uh, the people attending uh, found themselves without hotel rooms that hadn't been yeah. paid well, for. The, the
1: inf- yeah, the infamous one in uh, Texas.
0: No, this was one in Vegas that was you're talking about ultimate fantasy, which yeah. you're going to have to do at one point. I, I believe Larry Nemechek is making a documentary yep. about that convention. Maybe yep. we'll have to have him on the talk about the, that show, um, because I remember that in Starlog. And, and I was so heartbroken that I couldn't go because it sounded amazing. Oh, it was I the wanted first to go time so
1: badly that ad the entire- on the back of Starlog with all the guests oh. there. Oh, my God, I wanted to go. I, I couldn't really figure to out
0: how to as a kid to get <laughs> enough you know, money. You have no way to make
1: enough money to do that. <laughs> and
0: I thought this is my only chance to meet the stars of yeah, Star Trek. Exactly. It's The only time they'll ever be together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Little did goodness. I know. So um, anyway, uh, I think it's a really interesting show. It's a great perspective. And the one thing you'll see you know, Adam is super passionate. It, it, it's no wonder him and Scott man's worked together for so years, so many years. He's kind of <laughs> like, as Scott man's, big brother, you yeah. know, he, he finds the the silver lining and everything. He's just, he's just a, 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 a passionate fan who yep. has turned his love into a vocation, into yep. a career, a very successful career. So more, more power to him. And he loves and I'm really this glad. stuff
1: and you can tell.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, I, the last time I interviewed him was for 50 year mission, you know, for uh, the book. And, uh, a couple of stories he doesn't tell on the podcast and this is not a shameless uh promotion for the book but in in particular uh the one where they start getting the death threats at the shrine and um they have to um bring in the police and have uh uh, uh, metal detectors uh is a really interesting story which he doesn't tell on the podcast and there's some other stories about gene's last show and how difficult it was to wrangle some of the cast and who would speak last and so this there's a couple of stories that adam tells that, 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 that we don't get into today. But, um, if, if, if you're intrigued by what you hear, uh, uh, you might want to check that out in the uh, 50 year mission because, uh, I, I'm particularly fond of those stories. Obviously they're in the book. So I obviously <laughs> like those stories. Um, so anyway, uh, Darren, why don't we uh, bring on Adam and, and, uh, hear the story of creation. Let's bring on Adam Malin. And here we are with, uh, Adam Malin, Adam, first of all, congratulations. 50 years. This is the 50th anniversary of creation conventions. You and Gary have been doing this a long time and you haven't lost your passion or your love for what you do. That's, that's an amazing thing because I lost my passion uh, years ago.
2: Uh, (laughs) And that's nonsense, Mark. You actually are very, very fiery about the things that you believe in and or don't believe in. So enough of that. (laughs) But uh, definitely 50 years is definitely a milestone for sure.
0: I mean, you were 14 years old when you started CREA. I mean, I know because I was going to the conventions and we've talked about this in Brooklyn at the Golden Gate Motor Inn. A lot of people were there for 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 other reasons, other more sundry reasons. I was there to go to baseball card shows and pick up Star Trek stuff. And that's where I first met you as a, a starstruck uh, young uh, 10-year-old and said, yeah. wow, look at these young guys doing this Star Trek and all this. That's back when I cared about baseball, too. So... Um, Uh, Tell us about how you first got into doing this, because it's really a remarkable story. Plus, what I love about it is you were so young at the time that, you know, you couldn't even book the hotels yourself.
2: Uh, I mean, it's really funny. I guess you can't take the New York out of us. Um, It's just, you know, in our DNA. And, uh, you know, it was a different era. Um, Young people were... uh, I think in under less risk at that time. And I think that my parents just felt more comfortable about letting me go out and, you know, do things like literally go into Manhattan myself. Um, you know, Gary and I, at the age of eight or nine, were going in by ourselves to Manhattan and exploring the city. And, uh, you know, I, I in particular was a passionate Marvel Comics fan. I mean, you know like so much of the rest of the world is discovered now, but back back from our era, I mean, Stan and Jack, you know, and they were, the the stuff was so inspirational to me and so powerful. I mean, I always loved sci-fi and, uh, you know, I loved uh, Forbidden Planet. And then, uh, you know, when it came out, uh, of course, Star Trek and 2001, that stuff just was, you know, my lifeblood. We had something in uh, New York called, uh, I think it was Million Dollar Movie, and they sure. used to show a lot of sci fi and horror films on that. And, uh, you know, Chiller Theater, and uh, there was Famous Monsters of Filmland. And so, I mean, I just, I was a, like a fanboy from very young, but Marvel Comics in particular really just excited me. And to my good fortune, uh, my beloved mom, who's been gone for many years, uh, who was a remarkable woman. She uh, went through a succession of being a a radio journalist in the 40s, a a Madison Avenue advertiser in the 50s, breaking through all of the uh, male conventions of those eras um, and getting some support from her male peers, not always, but some, And then finally uh, entering into being a uh, school teacher for 26 years until her untimely passing. Uh, You know, my mom had degrees in uh, English Lit, uh, had done uh, her theses in Shakespeare, uh, in uh, Chaucer. So she she was a woman of the language and uh, she was very much a scholar and an academic. And she believed that comic books were the gateway to great literature and great reading. And she always encouraged me, whereas most of the the moms and uh, the communities were throwing out their kids' comics right. um, much to their horror. My mom was like, you know what? Lee and Kirby, they really know what they're doing. I love their stuff. I encourage you to keep reading their stuff and to read anything that you want to, because reading is great. And... Uh, you know, my dad loved uh, Jack Kirby's work. My dad was a commercial artist. Um, you might remember I had the, those early fanzines that Gary and I did, Infinity. Uh, all, of, all of our ability, I mean, they, editorially they were pretty almost zero. But uh, in terms of their look and their physical construction, they were fairly professional looking for little kids. And I owe uh, m- most of that to my dad, who is a commercial artist, uh, who had an amazing sense of graphic style, I mean, he was a painter and an artist, but also a commercial artist. Back in the era when everything was paste ups, right? There was no desktop; yeah. it was all paste ups and typeset, uh, zipatone, and all of that. Those uh, exacto and, well,
0: knives and letter set, yeah,
2: all of that, you know. And uh, so he taught me everything that I knew about layout, and uh, that's why we were able to construct those infinity fanzines to look as good as they did, and we. We also had great artwork from guys like Wrightson and, you know, Frazetta and uh, Kirby and, uh, you know, a lot of fantastic artists of the era. So the magazine looked really good. And simultaneous to that, which was about 1970, uh, I actually want to say really my first impact of fandom on me was uh, Suling's, Phil Suling's comic art convention in 69, Mm. I seen an ad in a Marvel comic book for it a little slug uh, in the classifieds in a Marvel book. And I went there myself. I mean, I was literally on my own. So I guess I was, uh, I don't know, 13, maybe, maybe 12 or 13. And uh, uh, I went there and I, I just couldn't believe it because, you know, I was so excited about Marvel comics. I used to go to sweets and treats every Wednesday when the comics would come in in a big pile wrapped with wire. The owner would know that I'm coming. He, he wouldn't open it up. He'd save it for me. <laughs> He'd hand me the wire cutters. I'd clip it, un- clip it open and immediately grab Fantastic Four, maybe X-Men, Spider-Man, uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like I would get them before anybody else could get their pause books. I would get them. So I was a comic book fiend. I was a, a fanboy, you know. I always have been, I always will be. running on up till today, I consume massive amounts of media, film and TV um, in the genre. And I, I still love it. But uh, the point was that going to Phil's show revealed to me finally the fandom. I had never been connected to fandom. And, of course, fandom is amazing. It's amazing to be part of that community. And so within a year of attending that event, I decided, you know what? I'm as much of a fiend about comic books as anybody. I want to do my own comic book convention. So it was not an original concept that was inspired by Phil's comic art convention. But I was so, I don't know, precocious or whatever and fearless that I just decided I wanted to do it myself. And um You know, Gary and I had already had some exposure to fandom with our with Infinity, the magazine and and meeting some of these artists. It wasn't so much of an extrapolation. And like you said, yeah, they wouldn't let a 13 year old kid sign a contract at the New Yorker Hotel. But the way it worked out was my dad, uh, his commercial art studio was on uh, 34th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. And the New Yorker hotel was right on the corner of that block. So my dad knew the New Yorker and he said, well, why don't we go to the New Yorker and you can run your sh- show there and I'll, I'll co-sign your contract for you with the hotel. So we went in there and, uh, you know, the, the sales manager of the hotel was very nice, very supportive. He knew I had my dad with me. My dad co-signed it. And uh, lo and behold, for a thousand bucks, I had the New, York, New Yorker Hotels meeting space rented for a weekend.
1: What, what a blessing. York, what a blessing to have both of your parents, not only supportive, but enthusiastic about your passions. What a I
2: wonderful say, thing. I mean, I couldn't say enough great things about my parents. They've always been uh, the most seminal, greatest inspirations in my life and i am hugely blessed to have had the parents that i've had and uh of course for years after as we did our shows they would be at the shows they'd be up at registrations let's say taking in the money or helping me and my dad with signage and the graphic look of the shows so yeah i mean that's everything comes if you're if you're as fortunate as i i am to have had the parents that i had you can understand how they empowered me. Um, and indirectly Gary, who is my neighbor, he lived like three doors down from me and they loved Gary too. And his parents also, they really supported us kids. And uh, But what was unbelievable was the first guest that I had was a guy that I idolized, Jim Staranko. He was my first guest. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Steranko is like, he is a legend. He's unique, even to this day. In fact, wait a second.
1: For those of you listening, Adam has just uh, stood up and is now coming back to his desk.
2: Oh, wow. Look at that. Um, Years and years later, uh, my progressive rock band, XNA, which was produced by uh, Billy Sherwood of Yes, Mm -hmm. um, pulled out with an album called Westernology. And I asked uh, Jim if I could use this amazing painting on the cover, which he let me. Nice. So this is the cover of xna's second album westernology wow. and it just encapsulates all of the thrill and excitement that i get from everything that Starenko does yep. he is uh he's a powerhouse I put this down so well, it's amazing
0: you went from collecting uh you know agents of shield you know in the Starenko era to to having him as your guest at uh at oh your first God. conventions.
2: It was so great. Now, I didn't know how much of a character Steranko actually ah, was. Yeah. People don't... Uh, maybe some of your viewers, if they're not uh, familiar, uh, he is a uh, magician a- and a... Uh, a uh, kind of like a stunt guy and a, a sleight-of-hand guy. Mm-hmm. And he's very much inspired by Houdini. And he he's out of control. So... First of all, it was great having him at the first convention. I, I idolize this guy. He's so sweet, so supportive. And I mean, you know, the stuff that he did in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., along with the stuff that Jack did, but what Jim did, has filtered into the movies and inspired generations of artists, uh, writers, uh, visual people, filmmakers. I mean, Steranko has left his... Mark across generations of uh, creative uh, people. Yeah. So anyway, just a flash forward a year, it was 72 and it was our second show. And uh, Storneko contacts me and he says, so I see it's your, your next show has come up already. Congratulations. I see you're, you're continuing to do them and I'd love to come back. And I said, I mean, Jim, I'd love to have you come back at the show. Is there anything that, you like to do that might be a little different than what we did at the first show? And he says, yes, this is what I want you to do, Adam. I want you to rent a helicopter. You're gonna bring all of your attendees up onto the roof of the New Yorker hotel, okay? And then when they're all up on the roof, the helicopter is gonna come over the roof. I will be dangling from the helicopter on a chain upside down in a straitjacket. And at the <laughs> appointed time, I will extra. You can lock me up in that straitjacket. I will extricate myself from that straitjacket, just like Harry Houdini, and then drop down onto the roof of the New Yorker Hotel to the applause and acclaim of your attendees. So, right, I'm like a 14 year old kid, right? So, uh, liability. Yeah. Jeopardy, those kinds of things. You're 14. You you don't know about the world like that. And by the way, I was flying by the seat of my pants for decades afterwards. Not just as a kid, but you know, even now I still find the stupid stuff that I do or don't realize. But, um, I said, Jim, that's great. We're going to do that, okay? And then, uh, tragically, that year was the year you may or may not remember. That they used to land helicopters on the Pan Am building. Oh yeah, yeah. Which went on to become the uh, Met Life building, I believe. It's mm-hmm. building right by Grand Central. Yeah, like across is Grand Central, and a helicopter that was landing on that building, wind blew the helicopter off, and it crashed right down there near Grand Central. Oh. Um, they you used to be able to land helicopters inside of manhattan anywhere you wanted to on the top of a building then after that happened they passed a law that you could no longer fly helicopters or land inside of manhattan island you can land on the periphery of it like on the east river but you can't land on a building inside of manhattan and it was that unless
0: you're lois lane working for the daily planet
2: i guess you know but uh (laughs) That derailed the plan to have Steranko land on the roof of the hotel. And, and probably, uh, you know, uh, it's probably uh, saved my butt because uh, although knowing Steranko, he would have pulled it off, but that's a little wacky. But yeah. that's sort of indicative of kind of like the, you know, when, when you're young, there's nothing that you don't think you can accomplish and you don't have any filters for uh, Jeopardy. Right. So uh, it was crazy. But those early years really were a celebration of comic books, sci fi, but really comic books and comic book creators. I mean, having Jack Kirby at the show, having Stan. um, You know, of course, I didn't understand the dynamics with Stan and Jack and all of that. And I'm not about to go and analyze history. All I know is that those guys were incredible and having them and that that generation of comic book creators uh you know guys like bill sienkiewicz uh johnny romita senior johnny romita jr uh john busema uh gene colin i mean all of these inc- you know as well as the ec guys guys like wally wood roy krenkel al williamson it was you know frazetta it was unbelievable the guys that were coming to our show frazetta he rents a hotel room uh, like a floor down from our convention at the Statler Hilton hotel. And he says, Adam, uh, invite your attendees, to come down to my hotel room. I'm going to be offering some of my paintings for sale. So we go down to Frazetta's room and he and Ellie are there and there's two twin beds and the beds are covered with frickin' Frazetta paintings. Man. Wow. I mean, probably about 30 Frazetta paintings. And you could have them for five hundred bucks a pop. Oh, five hundred bucks a pop. Now, there's, uh, I think, Princess of Mars went for three million, and there's one up at Heritage right now that they think is going to go for. Uh, it's the one with the apes, which I think yeah. is going to go for maybe two million. I mean, you know, Frazetta's paintings are now worth millions, and he's arguably, arguably, the greatest fantasy artist of all time or certainly of this generation and uh just imagine having frisetta selling his paintings at your show you know uh, these are the kinds of early seminal experiences that we had that got us so excited and i still feel that excitement today um and then you know star trek uh really was a, a, a huge influence on us. I mean, right from the very beginning, I, I loved all those 60s TV. I loved Outer Limits, Lost in Space, sure. you know, Boys to the Bottom of the Sea, all the Irwin Allen stuff. Um, Outer Limits used to scare the shit out of me. But I have to say, you know, Star Trek was really something special. And right from the beginning, it, I just found it to be so thought provoking and inspirational. And I mean, I was in love with that cast. And uh, so, when Creation ran our first comic show in '71, that was five years later from when the show, when Star Trek launched. That was sort of a dream that you know maybe someday we would get to work with, uh, you know, those guys or you know Leslie Nielsen from Forbidden Planet or you know, do do some of that stuff. And we, uh, you know, we were growing up uh uh was in high school i guess in 71 and i guess i want to say that i went to college in 74 so some of those early creation shows were when i was going through college uh i but in 76 i know we ran our first media oriented show it was called telefantasy and our good buddy uh, Doug Murray helped us out a lot. Um, you guys know Doug. I think he's a fantastic writer and uh, a super fan. And uh, many was the great parties we had with Doug and his wife Pam at their home in Lindenhurst when they still lived there. We watched 16 millimeter prints of all the Harryhausen movies. Like I'm a huge Harryhausen fan. Okay. And imagine how exciting then to finally have Ray Harryhausen come to your show. And he's got a suitcase with him and he opens up the suitcase and he's got the, he's got the maquettes and armatures from like Guanji, yeah. uh, Medusa, you know, the skeleton guys from Jason, and the Argonauts, forget about it. I mean, these are like incredible moments for us.
1: They are actual yeah. movie stars in a suitcase. Oh, yeah. Although <laughs> I mean,
2: you know, year from 20 million miles to earth. I mean, they are movie stars and Ray was so great. Uh, I guess three or four years ago, Guillermo del Toro had a museum exhibit at LACMA. I don't know if you guys saw it.
0: Absolutely,
2: Unbelievable. And there's that guy, he did. He had those life casts made. Did you see the one of Harryhausen with all his creations? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. This is how we feel about these guys. We have so much love and reverence for these creative guys. Um, first, you know, b- back in the stop motion era, just so incredible. So having them at the convention, like we had Rick Baker back in the day when he was doing Incredible Melting Man.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, I mean, you know, Rick went on to be so incredible. Just as a side note about, I wanna say 10 or 15 years ago, uh, we were already in Glendale and it was time we wanted to move to a new office. And so the real estate agent said, well, I've got this building, it's a little beat up. But it might be good for your company. So he takes us to the building. We walk through the door, and it's Mighty Joe Young's head. I knew immediately that was Rick Baker's Mighty Joe Young. It was Rick Baker's studio. They were moving out, and we were we were offered the ability to uh to move into that studio. But meanwhile, it was all beat up. It looked like Baker and his team had like blown stuff up in like one quarter. There were holes in the wall. It's like, what the hell happened in here? It
1: wouldn't but, surprise me a bit.
2: <laughs> LA is so small, you stumble over people all the time. But uh, I guess it's just my way of saying that we were destined to go into doing events about f- film and television sci-fi. I mean, yeah. those, are, those are seminal to our lives. And I love comic books as a medium, And I think that there's been great stuff down through the years that have come out of it. Guys like Frank Miller. I mean, you know, it's amazing. Even Jim Lee, even today, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane. Comics has been a springboard for great creative talent that has then propagated into other filmed uh, visual entertainments like film and TV. Um, But I I feel like, uh, oh, I also think that the graphic story, story medium has been, squandered to some degree and has not always lived up to uh, to its potential Um, that some of the guys, you know, like Will Eisner, some of the guys that did such visionary work, it wasn't always followed by visionary work. And so I just kind of naturally gravitated into film and TV. Mm. And it was 79 when we had Walter Koenig as our first Star Trek guest. Um, at uh, I think it was in New York City and it was crazy because I mentioned to Walter the last time I saw him which was before the COVID began I guess it was in 2019 in Vegas uh, Walter had been doing our shows from 79 to 2019 that's 50 40 40. years Yeah. Yeah, 40 years So, I mean, it's crazy. And then in succession, one by one, we had the other classic cast people and, uh, you know, fell in love with all of them. They each had their picadillos. You know, we certainly as young people didn't always manage them the best at our shows. There was some friction, but overall though, there was a lot of love and reverence for those guys. And, um, we you know by 85 we're almost like a star trek convention machine we were just churning out star trek shows it seems unbelievable but the number of shows that i'm being told that we did at the time but evidently we were running three or four shows a weekend at one point point. and i i have no idea you know how that even occurs but <laughs> do you
0: know how many shows in 50 years you've done did anybody ever do the math to figure out
2: how many yeah. shows you've produced we think it's something like 5,000, something like 5,000 Unbelievable. The anyway, first, uh,
1: I mean, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say the first show I ever went to was in 1981 and it was a creation con and uh, it was in Chicago where yeah. it was at the time.
2: What hotel?
1: The, I can't remember.
2: Was it at the airport or in the downtown?
1: No, it was downtown. It was so downtown. it might
2: have been the Radisson, a big toll. It was. To it was it. the Radisson, yeah.
1: Um, and I think Mark Leonard was there and uh, Walter was there. Um, but it was so much fun. And I had never been to one of these before. I'd heard about them. Uh, but what I noticed was that both you and Gary were so enthusiastic about everything happening there and your your enjoyment of this was really showing through and it was so much fun to see and it it brought such a it was a i felt like it was a, a home for me
2: that's so sweet and i mean think of what a privilege privilege it was for us i mean look at us we got to be in the middle of this incredible science fiction j- jambalaya and uh get to work with, you know, all these celebrities that we loved and admired and not just the actors, but also all the amazing production people. Like, I guess a couple of years ago, I finally had Doug Trumbull as a guest.
1: Yeah.
2: I mm-hmm. believe it. Finally meeting Trumbull. I mean, he was spacing me out in 2001 back in 68 to finally meet him in like 2018 or 2019 yeah. to finally meet Douglas Trumbull. It's so incredible. There's so many amazing crafts people, the costume people. So down through the years, we've tried to, uh, especially when we're doing official events and we get some kind of production access, we try and have, you know, the prop makers, the special effects people, the costumers, Mm -hmm. we really try and get them involved in the shows. And, uh, you know, some of the official event uh, franchises that we've had a chance to work with, we've been very lucky, like on Stargate, we were able to do set visits up there at Bridge Studios, um, get, you know, incredible props and costumes for museums. Um, we were able to kind of duplicate that on Once Upon a Time. I mean, you know, to be able to visit the standing sets of a show and bring your attendees and then go through their production shops uh, to be able to see... Uh, You know, some of the amazing uh, props, hand props or sets and, you know, costumes that these guys make up front and personal. I mean, it's it's amazing. So but but first and foremost, I think what we've loved about the shows and what remains our our driving inspiration is is the community of all the fans that comes together, it's, it's fandom. I mean, like right from when I first experienced it from the beginning, right on up until today, I'm so grateful to be part of the, the, the fan genre community. And uh, if you sort of think of conventions as sort of the original social network, right? Mm. Now today, most social networks, they're digital, they're virtual, and they're great. And there are a lot of different ways of people getting together, but I don't think anything's going to ever replace, not even COVID is going to stop people getting together under one roof and just being excited, all being there, having this stuff in front of you, artwork and props and fans, you know, doing cosplay and uh, seeing your favorite uh, celebrity up on stage or getting their autograph, you know, or doing a photo with them. Nothing's ever going to replace that. So uh, that's, that's what creation is all about is get, bringing the communities together, having an incredible time with the celebrities that we admire, the production people, all these talented people, and then mixing them all, all in a stew with all the fans that love them. And well. so it never gets old. I mean, that's why we're still inspired by it 50 years on. But I have to say that COVID took a lot of wind out of our sails. We canceled or postponed more than 40 events. Yeah. And it's been a nightmare uh, navigating through that. And, you know, I'm the venue guy. So I'm the one that had to move those shows, get the meeting space, uh, you know, extrapolating 18 months or two years into the future. And uh, thank God our attendees, you know, they get the opportunity to either get their money refunded when we postpone a date or they can keep their money with us as a credit towards the, the new date. We have averaged about a 90% retention rate mm, on amazing. the money that our attendees have given with us. So if that had not been the case, I'm pretty sure we would have gone out of business, you know, right for in time for our 50th anniversary. Yeah, right. But uh, it's been an amazing validation from our attendees and our customers that they've kept their money with us because you know they just want to wait until, like me, we all are chomping at the bit to get back. I'm thinking that Vegas this year may be the first show back in uh, eighteen months. Yeah. We're still looking at some shows in July, uh, but they're tenuous. But we're pretty sure that uh, the 55-year mission show in Vegas in August is going, it's gonna happen. So, I mean, it's been two years since we've done a Star Trek-based event uh, in Vegas and um, that's a huge absence. So I feel this uh, wellspring of intense desire for everybody to get back together and to, I mean, we kind of took it for granted, you know, even though we were having great times at the shows and there was a lot of high energy, I don't think we realized what a fan, what a fantastic, blessed thing it is yeah. to gather like that. And now that COVID has taught us that lesson, believe me, I'm going to be a lot more earnest in appreciating everything that we've got going on there, celebrating it and redoubling our energy to just see that our attendees have the greatest fucking time that they possibly can. Um, and there's nothing that we wouldn't do for them. And when I say we... I mean, creation is so much more than just Gary and me. I mean, we have got the most amazing team. Our staff is so incredible. You got people in our team that are tenured for more than 30 years. And uh, I'm proud to say that we're a very small team. We're only maybe, you know, less than 15 people. We kept everybody on during COVID. We didn't let anybody go. And, uh, we were determined, Gary and I were determined, we were, you know, the whole company was going to sink or swim together. Yeah. So we stayed together and there's like light at the end of the tunnel now, but I really admire the people that we've got um, that work on our team and everything that people think about creation, if they love our shows, it's really, at this point, more of a manifestation of the amazing team that works with us, than Gary and me, we're sort of the le- legacy figureheads and we do love and the shows and put our energy into them you know, in the ways that we can. But it's really creation's phenomenal uh, team uh, that, that makes our show so special. And that, I want to
0: get... I'm sorry, Adam. I, I want to get to the to the big show in August because there's a lot to talk about. But well, before we get there, I do want to ask you, I mean, as somebody who's a huge fan of the genre and who's been able to sort of have his finger on the pulse of what's going to be popular, it's interesting to look at the eddies and currents of a lot of these shows. Like, there was a while where we had a lot of Lost in Space guests. You know, Space 1999, you know, later on it was Heroes, Lost. And, you know, they come and they go. But there's one show... That has remained consistent from when you started doing conventions to today, and that's Star Trek. And 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 why do you think that is? And also, talk about the eddies and currents because clearly, you know, Star Trek was hugely a huge thing for you in the seventies, and it through the, the 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 heyday of the movie series. And then Next Generation comes, and there's this real fear that this could be the end of Star Trek. You know, all the fans saying, "Without Kirk and Spock, you don't have me." It becomes even bigger. I remember those shows you were doing in the nineties and huge. You were doing four or five shows a week and cool. uh, and, and a weekend uh, and, 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 you know, and, and it goes up and down, but it's always a perennial. So uh, can tell me a little bit about, you know, sort of identifying like what the ID- IPs are, things that you're sorry to see maybe have, have dwindled in popularity, but why Star Trek always remains the quote unquote 10 ton gorilla. Uh.
2: I think it goes back to Gene Roddenberry and uh, Idaq, infinite diversity in infinite combination. Um, You know, genre fans, back in the day, we were considered dweebs. back in the seventies, whatevers, geeks Uh, we were considered socially maladjusted maybe, or, you know, something was not quite right about us because we were into this fantastic stuff. And the world didn't catch up to the genre probably until Star Wars, give or take. And all of a sudden it became fashionable to be into all of this geeky stuff. And it's nice to see that the world is caught up. But, uh, for those of us that were inspired by everything that Gene started and created, um, it started with the idea that, uh, there, is, there are no outsiders, we, we're all part of one global family. And Star Trek immediately sought to prove that, yup, you can keep Asian people and Russian people and African-American people, uh, all different ethnicities um, can be together as one. And the future is gonna be a place where there no longer are the cultural and the ethnographic um, or gender uh, divisions, gender orientation divisions that plague the outside world. And so Eidek taught us that there's infinite combinations, infinite diversity, and it's all part of the world and it's all beautiful. And Roddenberry's humanist vision for the future, as well as his faith that human earth civilization would evolve socially to the point where everybody did get together, did coexist peacefully. I mean, we're still so far from it. Look, I mean, the world is kind of screwed up right now. Um, A lot of the advances that I thought that we had made culturally and socially didn't really happen. Now today in 2021, I look around and the world is, st- is still really kind of screwed up. Uh, society is really kind of screwed up. And inside of Star Trek, we had the world that we as people dream of and want. And that, that unifying principle, that humanist, principle that Roddenberry wove into the spine of Star Trek is something that we, as humans, in the human condition, we need that. We need that. There's a lot of polarity out there in the world, and Star Trek is, com- is completely about inclusiveness. And that is a message that will never go away. Um, I think that sci-fi fans are dreamers and, and we're optimists overall. And we, we believe in a, in a better future because we think about the future. You know, that's part of what sci-fi is. And so um, it's very inspirational. And uh, I was very, very blessed to get to know Gene pretty well. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and he was a big mentor of mine and showed me a lot of love and support, especially in the mid 80s and right on up until his untimely passing. And uh, I was with him one day and I was saying, you know, next generation, it's amazing. You know, what, why did you decide that you wanted to do it? And he said, well, he wasn't happy with the way the world was turning. And he said, he's got to get that, repeat that Star Trek message again um, and he was adamant about it that he thought that Star Trek could go on and continue to live. And time proved it. I mean, he was very fortunate to to have uh Michael Piller come in there. He was Michael was such a huge inspiration yeah. to guys like Ron Moore and Brandon Braga, uh Andre Bormanis and uh Narain Shankar and Look at the shows that those guys created. I mean, like Expanse, what an amazing show. Expanse is incredible sci-fi. And this is all through the lineage of the Star Trek uh, writer's room that so many of today's amazing uh, showrunners and writers came through the ranks there and were inspired by that. Um, So a lot of the legacy of the, these other shows that we watch on TV, it has its kind of seminal roots in the Star Trek writer's room. And so Star Trek with that positive vision of the future tempered by, as shows like Deep Space Nine showed us, the reality of a hostile uh, universe filled with chaos and entropy, which it is, Um It's just, those motifs are enduring. And I I just think the new Star Trek shows are so amazing. I love Discovery. I love Discovery. I thought season two was incredible of Discovery. It really was amazing. Um, I love Picard. And so, uh, you know, when they're putting so much talent and money against those shows and, uh, you know, you've got... uh, you know, showrunners that uh, uh, have such talent. Um, it's it's really uh, not a surprise to me that Star Trek is uh, an enduring legacy franchise and property that I don't see going away anytime soon. Now, if I felt that they had squandered it Intellectually, in terms of the intellectual property, uh, I, I think I'd man up and and say it in this forum. But the fact is, that I just I think Discovery and Picard are great shows. You know, and, you've had uh, so many coups bringing in people like
0: Joan Collins and Ricardo and, you know, some really special moments. But there probably was no more special moment than when Gene Roddenberry stepped on stage in 1987 with George Lucas at the Star Wars 10th anniversary um, uh, event. Tell me a little bit about what that meant to you personally, but also how you pulled that off because that was kind of, and I was there. That was kind of a legendary yeah. moment. I mean, there's so many great moments in the history. I'm sure you're cutting a reel of the great moments in 50 years of creation events. Unfortunately, Sterenko jumping off a helicopter was not among them, but uh, I'd love to know about, you know, George Lucas and Gene Ronberry, these two legends meeting on stage at your convention.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's just one of those magic moments. We've had some of those opportunities where we just were connected to the right people at the right time. Uh, and, um, Gene Roddenberry wanted to meet George Lucas very much. And we happened to be working with Starlog on the 10th anniversary of Star Wars. We were working with Lucasfilm and that was a dream come true. Um, And then, you know, because I knew Gene, I said to Lucasfilm, well, Gene would love to meet George. Let's do it on stage. And sure enough, I mean, it was a, a, a miraculous moment uh to such seminal creative people that it created i mean star wars star trek it's that's sort of what defined the genre but uh moments like that have happened a lot you know for us in a lot of different ways with a lot of different people i mean you mentioned ricardo he was a, a miraculous human being who unfortunately was in a great deal of uh physical pain when he appeared at our shows. I mean, his back he had terrible back damage and nerve damage, and he was in a wheelchair. And yet he insisted upon standing up when he appeared on stage. Um, There are inspirational moments for us and, and not just with Star Trek or Star Wars, but in all of the different kinds of shows that we've worked with, We've met with amazing people. I mean, we did the Muppet Fest. I mean, imagine working with the Jim Henson company and with the Creature Shop, um, you know, TV. land. Uh, we've had an amazing time working with the Vampire Diaries franchises. Um, you know, Julie Plex shows. Her creations are incredible. Supernatural. We had a fi- we had a almost a 15 year run. With that show, I guess we started around the third season and right on through to the close of the show. That has been one of the most phenomenal uh, fan experiences of my lifetime. Working with Jared and Jensen and Misha and that cast, um, those shows are, they're, you know, such, so rock and roll having uh, Loud and Swain as our house band, the Saturday night concerts. Um, Yeah, there's definitely a bit of desperado DNA inside of us and (laughs) having a show like Supernatural, uh, very, very exciting that we can play with. Uh, Each show has brought its own amazing talents, its own distinctive fandom, Each show has got a slightly different community. There's a lot of crossover, but there's also some differences between each of those communities and variety is the spice of life. And we have been able to witness all of this. And like you said, there are for every show that's a success, there might be also 10 or 15 other shows that are fascinating that maybe went one or two seasons and never quite off the, got off the ground. Um, Uh, I just want to say that, uh, you have always been also on the pulse of things to come and, um, you know, again, for every property that's a success, there are quite a few that don't make it, that were wonderful and deserved to be successful. And they never get the chance to live out their lifespan and do what they want to do. But, uh, Star Trek has managed to beat those odds again, I think because of some of the enduring frameworks that are set up in the show's DNA and its spine that are still compelling to us as a, as a society, as a civilization, as social movements uh, 55 years later. So that's the long way of answering your question and saying, (laughs) I think Star Trek is, not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, before we
0: talk about what Ed Sullivan would call the big shoe coming up this year, uh, I got to ask you about a mutual friend of ours who just celebrated his 90th birthday. Of course, that's the legendary Bill Shatner, who we're all lucky enough to, to know and love. And, I, you know, you've had a very special relationship over the years, having worked with him now, probably, if not 50 years, certainly going on 30 years, I would think. Um, tell us a little bit about working with with bill and what he brings to the conventions and you know what a special man he is
2: well i met bill in 85 uh through his fan club uh they served as the initial interface by which we were able to have him come and appear at our shows and so that would be 36 years ago did i get that right yeah And uh, of course, you know, like every other human in the world, I hugely admired Bill as an actor, as an iconic character, uh, 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 Kirk as an iconic character, um, you know, just an inspiration. But getting to know Bill was certainly one of the highlights of my life. I mean, uh, he is a wonderful, gracious, Uh, attending celebrity at our shows. People adore him. Uh, For many years, he and Leonard had a very, very special uh, chemistry that when they used to appear on stage, I've never seen anything like it. We did that uh, 25-year mission tour in 1991. And I'll never forget being a Long Island boy, uh, filling Nassau Coliseum. I mean... 10,000 people there to see those guys. Even the Islanders can't do that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Most of the time. Uh, (laughs) You know, that uh, is both iconic guys. Bill um, just inspired me so much that I went to work for him for about uh, 25 years on the Hollywood Charity Horse Show. I don't know how many people know that Uh, Bill is a huge philanthropist, has given huge amounts of his time for charitable work. But the Hollywood Charity Horse Show, I think was particularly a huge labor, uh, intensive work and a labor of love. Um, We generated, we made about $4 million in uh, money for kids charities in the LA area, Mm -hmm. you know, over that 25 year stretch. And, you know, it was so much fun to get into that whole equestrian vibe with Bill. He'd be up there on the horses. I mean, I remember he used to have, we used to do wacky shows in the, uh, in the Los Angeles uh, uh, equestrian center in Burbank, yep. in the Equidome. Uh, we would do celebrity team penning where let's say Shatner and Nimoy would be on horses, uh, corralling cattle or pigs into a corral with their horses. I mean, it's the, just a completely different kind of vibe, but these are sort of where I saw the human moments of Bill. Um, And uh, I I saw, you know, what a great guy he he was. And uh, it's, it's been an honor to work with him for all those years to share all the convention experiences with him, to share the experiences with Leonard. uh, God rest his soul. Um, uh, Bill and I, piloted a couple of shows we actually were did sell a movie once to uh epics which was great get a life um and uh you mark uh you made your mark with bill as well uh you know your films were pretty amazing and uh i know you were as inspired by him as uh as as i have been and uh fans you know around the world if they wonder what Shatner is like as a, as a real person inside and not the amazing bravura thing that we see on stage he's just a loving sweet guy and uh, yeah absolutely been, uh, it's been an honor to know him and I know you feel the same way about
0: him look and speaking of lovely sweet guys you also had a very special relationship with Dee who may have been one of the sweetest people who ever walked the planet and that, I has got to be heartbreaking for you to see these people who you had you know, and obviously Leonard, you know, clearly when he did his last show for you was very ill. Um, it's got to be hard.
2: Uh, guys. Um, uh, people passing away, mortality. We, we we're dealing with it in our own lives. Uh, all the people that we know. And it's so sad as they pass away one by one. Uh, D. Kelly was. Amazing guy. He and his wife, Caroline. They were we loved them. Um we did a we did a tribute for D in LA, and everybody came to it, you know, Shatner, Roddenberry, uh, Nimoy, they were all there, right? And they were all heaping amazing accolades on D, right? It was a real love fest, right? And so finally at the end, it, it's D's turn to come out and uh, it wasn't really like a roast because nobody was really roasting him. They were just—it was pretty much a love fest. So finally, at the end, D comes out and he says, "Well, thank you. I want to thank Bill and Jean and Michelle and George and Leonard and Jimmy. I want to thank all of you for coming out here and uh, telling me uh, how much you love me. And I just want you to know that uh, I love you all." more than you say you love me. (laughs) uh, And then of course uh, we used to, you know, of course it sounds a little nepotistic, but like I'd get to go out to dinner with Dee and Caroline, you know, in the evening after the shows. And uh, I remember uh, in Washington, DC walking through the national mall and Dee had his arm around me, which was so sweet. He was holding on to me. And uh, he mentioned that he really likes to drink. And uh, so does Caroline. And so uh, I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a bar. And uh, we went to a bar and stayed there for four hours. They really like to the drink. <laughs> they never got, you know, they never lost control, right? Yeah, yeah. They can't drink like that. Another big drinker was Jimmy Dillon. Oh, yeah. No, really <laughs> <laughs> he could really drink. Yeah. And you know, yeah. these guys could drink me under the table. I'm not really a big drinker, but uh, sharing some personal moments with them. God bless them. And then and they pass away and they leave us. Um, it's sad. It's part of life. But uh,
1: but you have the memories.
2: We're grateful. We're grateful for the time that we had with them yeah. and then our Attendees had with them, and we certainly don't take it for granted. I mean, look at Bill, he's 90, for God's sakes. I said to him, I mean, I can't believe you're so old by number. Your number is so old, but you still are, you know, you still come off as so young. I feel like like you got another 10 years in you, no problem. It was just like Ernie Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine came to our show, I think, at the age of 94. For Airwolf? (laughs) uh it was incredible i mean he just i I don't remember why he was at our show but we (laughs) had him and uh some people are just perennials they just you know keep on going you're only as old as you feel and if you take relatively good care of yourself then maybe you know you'll like i shouldn't have done that
0: black hole convention you you, uh, you guys
2: avoided those <laughs> uh listen, I love Disney. I mean, I thought WandaVision was unbelievable. I thought that was such a incredible show. It's it's yep. great. So great. So I'm so outside the box, so original. Mandalorian. I mean, you know, uh those kinds of shows are so great. It's an incredible time to be a genre fan. Yeah. I'm it's never It's
0: really been, changed since we were kids, hasn't it?
2: Never been a better time to be a genre fan. At least now we can we Ulsters can say, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, just the way you promote the shows. You you know have to do flyers and
0: self-addressed stamped envelopes and reaching the fans. Now it's websites and Facebook uh, and uh, so you know just the way you market these things has changed so dramatically.
2: You my god, everything everything has changed in our lifetimes. The internet and uh computers and smartphones and i mean it's just if you look at how we were communicating back you know in the 70s and now you now it's like it's it's a it's an an alien universe but i think it's it's all for the better now if only civilization could mature the way in which our technology has it could be a so much better world
1: you know i think that i think that Looking at the attendees of all your shows, it does give hope for the future because not only is there a wide range of people of ages and and creeds and cultures and everything, but everyone is getting along because they're, they're there for the same reason because of the the love for something. Right. And so everyone, everyone, you know, goes by uh, and and everyone is in infinite combinations with each other and it's it really gives a, a good aspect to humanity. And that's one of the great things about uh, the conventions that uh, I remember every time I went to uh,
2: them. There's no doubt that the, it's a, a much more benevolent society inside of our shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish that the, I wish that the outside world would echo that a little bit more, but um, someday uh, someday we hope that that's the case. And that, and that's why, uh, a message like Gene Roddenberry's message is, you know, more important today than it was 55 years ago when it started.
0: Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, as we alluded to, you have a huge show coming up in August in Vegas. You're back in a big way. It's going to be a very special show, not only celebrating 50 years of creation, but uh, the end of the pandemic, as we know it. People are going to have a chance to be together in person and, and share their love and passion for all things Star Trek. So what can you tell us to expect from the show, April, uh, excuse no. me, August 11th, 11th through, the 15th? through the
1: 15th. yeah,
0: August 11th through the 15th at the Rio, your, your, your usual uh, uh, hotel back at the Rio. Um, just uh, give us the little, the little plug, the hyperbole.
2: Well, I mean, I don't think it's hyper hyperbole to say that fans from around the world are incredibly excited at the prospect of finally reconvening and um, I'm not going to comment on what the uh, procedures will be in the COVID, uh era. We're going to, at, at our own time and in pace with what's happening in uh, Nevada and Las Vegas currently, we'll let everybody know ahead of the show what those protocols are going to be, right. but it's feeling like it's going to be pretty normal actually. and. Uh, But I mean, the level of excitement, I mean, I have a lot of buddies uh, out there that I communicate with, you know, by email and text and stuff and that are friends of mine from years and years of shows. And we're all pretty psyched about finally getting back in there and doing the show again. And uh, you've got a lot of amazing things planned. Um, I mean, just an example, like Ben Vereen, I'm a huge Ben Vereen fan. I'm a musical theater fiend. Mm-hmm. I love musical theater. Um, I'm a musician and I really love musical theater. And uh, I mean, you know, Ben is one of the musical theater greats. He is actually doing his uh, his Broadway uh, themes performance at the show. And uh, he'll be doing that on one of the nights of the show. Uh, we've got the Roddenberry's band. We'll be performing throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got celebrities from all of the different Star Trek casts, Of course, Bill will be there celebrating his 90th birthday. We also have a 90th birthday uh, posthumous tribute to Leonard Nimoy. And we're also, for the first time this year, we've done an extensive assay of the videographic footage that we've captured over not our full 50-year span, but about 35 or 40-some-odd years of video we've we've sort of exhaustively gone through our archives and have compiled amazing convention footage that much of which has never been seen before of numerous endless numbers of celebrities that we will be debuting at the show this year. And I I really think it's it's a good time, you know in celebration of our 50th anniversary to be reliving, uh, reliving a lot of these wonderful moments from the show. So we'll be uh, presenting quite a bit of that throughout the weekend. Of course, we're going to have more uh, hosts and moderators than ever. I think we've got at least a half dozen uh, people that will be uh, hosting segments, moderating segments, doing interviews. Um, we're, we really are broadening out that spectrum in terms of our moderation and our hosting. Um, we've got surprises that I want to talk about, but I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a remarkable show. Of course, we've got, I think, about 110, 115 celebrities already, and we're still adding more people. There's a massive science track that we'll be doing. Um, just, I think, a lot of things to satisfy both uh, new attendees and our perennials who have been with us. This is, I believe, this is the 20th anniversary of the show. And uh, so we you know, have a lot of things that, we need to cover and that we wanna to do to make it a very, very special occasion. Of course, people know already, they can go to our Cre- our Creation ENT, uh website and they can see specifically who all the celebrities are. I don't need to kind of repeat what p- most people know already, but we've got a lineup of uh, talent and uh,
0: MGM used to say more stars than we have in heaven will you have more star trek stars than there are in heaven they're all there they're all represented
2: as many as are available uh, there are a few that are that have uh, conflicts that can't come for various reasons um for instance Picard is in production right now at least that film's in the US yep but uh um, Toronto there are some there are some challenges with uh Canada right now uh yep. People that lead to talent that leave Canada when they go back, they have to do a fourteen quarantine. quarantine. So there are still some questions about some of our Toronto-based Discovery people getting to the show. Um, That's uh, that's uh, some drama that's still unfolding. But to the best of our ability to get people into the show, we're going to have a full lineup and uh, intensive studies on all the different series. Uh, a lot of, uh, philosophical and social discourse, of course, a lot of discourse on the, uh, the storylines and, uh, the things that made each series special. And again, you know, some surprises, I don't want to kind of give it all up right now, but I think it's going to be a very memorable show. And we are very, very grateful to finally get back out there and be with our wonderful Star Trek family. It's been a, a rough couple of years and, uh, the tribe is finally reconvening so i'm very grateful for that and we uh, you know on behalf of gary and myself and the entire creation team we can't wait to see everybody and and be there and ha- experience it and have a wonderful time with the, with the, everybody that's going to be coming and i i i'm so excited that you guys are going to be coming um, you you <laughs> gave away our the the, the surprise you uh, the, <laughs> we're we're very pleased honored. to announce
0: please Darren and Darren and myself will be uh, coming to celebrate the 50th anniversary with Adam and Gary and everyone uh, uh, happy to be leaving our houses um, yeah. to be, be in Vegas with a lot of our, our friends and our listeners. And we'll be doing a very special and glorious Trexpert's panel with some very special surprise guests, which we will also reserve announcing until it gets closer. Or Is it but, August uh, yet? <laughs> <about> yet.
1: <laughs> but,
0: but we're, we're thrilled to be there with you. It's it's uh, it's been a long time we've known each other and, and, uh, you know, for a while I was even, you know, hosting some of your conventions back in the nineties when, uh, you were doing four or five conventions a weekend. And, uh, um,
2: some, I know that, uh, if you, if you can, I know that some of our attendees would also love to participate, uh, in your podcast as well. So maybe you can leave a little room for some of the audience too. You know what I'm saying? I well, think I think we'll be, be really trying
0: fun. some special stuff and do some um, maybe potentially some live stuff. We're talking to our uh, we're seeing how we can set things up with the, uh, the video feed to potentially stream some live uh, uh, interviews. We'll say, well, you know, that's all to TBD. But yeah. the important thing is we're going to be there. Happy to celebrate and support you in this great year for creation well, and this uh, milestone convention that uh, is sort of the, the coming out party for everyone leaving their houses, the pandemic hopefully winding down all benefiting from uh, the rollout of the vaccine. Thank you to everyone involved in that doctors, caregivers, president Joe Biden.
2: Uh, I do have one last announcement to make. I don't know if we've actually made this. uh, This might be a scoop for you guys.
1: Nice.
2: Creation has a 50th year anniversary coffee table book. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Working on for two years. And uh, Sometime in 2021 for our 50th anniversary, we will release this book and it has extensive, extensive photographic and archival material, as well as reflections from myself, Gary, the entire creation team, uh, a tumultuous, nostalgic, emotional look back at a, uh, 50 years of, uh, of of a business and a company and, and an opportunity for us as fans that we'll never forget and that we're so grateful to for, for our attendees, our community, our, the celebrities that have attended our shows, our parents, our families. Uh, it's really uh, an act of love and gratitude with which we put this book out and I hope uh, some of the people that are listening to this will get a chance to take a look at it because i think very it's going to cool. be special
0: well, as someone who knows a little something about books i have to say uh, <laughs> i'm very excited i will definitely be uh buying it and it'll be a wonderful trip down memory lane of 50 years of creation i can't wait to see it that's exciting news it's a great uh, idea for a coffee table book and i can only imagine that the artwork and insights it uh, it'll it'll be uh it'll it'll be terrific and uh, speaking of books no, i'm not going to Use I'm not going <laughs> to plug my books again. Um, but uh, that's great, Adam. We're looking forward to it.
2: Well, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate you guys having me on the show and uh, your wonderful achievements. And uh, that, you know, I look forward to us all being well, together in Vegas and having a great time. Well. Uh,
1: so glad to talk with you. And uh, I can't wait.
2: Yeah. So, uh we'll, we'll, We'll see you in August. Absolutely, you guys. Thanks so much. And uh, look forward to having your podcast and, uh, at the show as well. We just made a terrible
0: mistake that we should have all gone in the license for Star Trek uh, face masks uh, for the uh, beginning of the pandemic. We would have we would have made a mint. Anyway, um, all the best. And we'll see you in August. Thanks for the time, Adam. Great Good to see you. Life. Thanks so Thanks much, God.
2: Adam.
0: God bless. Okay. Take care. So there you have it. Adam Malin. I, I like that. The story of creation. That was our, our attempt to rewrite oh, the Bible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then behold the burning Bush. So let it be written. So let it be done. Um, I, we didn't ask him about that. Where'd the name come from? Creation Entertainment.
1: Well, well, maybe we'll ask him at the convention in Vegas.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny because uh, I met Scott Mance because of creation. He started <laughs> as an accountant for them. Yeah. Uh, that's how how I first met him when he was doing shows for them and working for creation. A lot of, a lot of people, Joe, Joe Senna, who was a friend of ours, who um, uh, uh, does the, a lot of the Mego uh, toys and has, has has a a big toy company. Now he, he also worked for them for a long time as a graphic designer. Lovely guy.
1: Um, Have I mentioned, I can't wait for the convention. Well, oh yeah. you buried the
0: lead. That's right. (laughs) Well, you've heard the big announcement. we made the big announcement, Darren, which you already knew was going to be there you know, and you were excited to see him is going to be now. joined by <laughs> none other than me. I am going to come this and year stack because of books, because it's a very <laughs> special year. It's the 50th anniversary. A lot of people have asked me, they said, are you going to go to the convention? Uh, Co- Comic-Con isn't happening this year. And they were very gracious to invite uh, invite us uh, as the podcast to be there, to, to broadcast live, to do a panel, to be a part of the celebration and uh plug my books. So um how could I say no to that?
1: They call they called Mark a stack of books with legs, a, a <laughs> stack of books that you could buy, which is good.
0: <laughs> because I'll also have the new book, Secrets of the Force, That's about right. the oral history of Star Wars coming out uh this uh July as well from St. Morris Press. So uh there'll be even more to plug, more more sci-fi oral history deliciousness. But no, I'm, I'm actually really excited because um, it'll be a chance to, to meet uh, in person. A lot of our our listeners, um, it'll uh, be a chance for us to um, bring the podcast to uh, uh, an audience who may people who may not be aware of it so we can get a whole bunch more one stars uh, um, from listeners who hear me bashing Trump. And uh, but I think a lot of people will discover the show for the first time and hopefully really enjoy some of the special people that we um uh, have interviewed over the course of these last three years. So uh it'll and, be a lot of fun.
1: Depending on how it works out, we hope to record at least one episode there, maybe more. We'll see. I we'll see how it works out. I hope so.
0: I, I agree. I mean I'm hoping that we can we we can some people that maybe we would normally have access to or uh schedule wise we couldn't that we you know we'll grab on the fly or yep. that we'll uh we'll schedule some people because um Just walk it up would to be, them and say
1: hey you want to be on a podcast that'll be fun <laughs>
0: Want some candy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> but um, I, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to, to 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 meeting a lot of you. Few I'm not, but most mostly I'm looking forward to a lot of you, meeting a lot of you. And um, you know, as I said, if you you see us in the bar, um, at, you know at the end of the convention, which you um, will, which you will <laughs> uh, definitely go up to Darren and introduce yourself because he'll be happy to meet you. Um, so what? Why are you shaking your head?
1: You're That's
0: a funny true. guy. That's true. I'm just calling it like it is. Um, no, I if, if you're a listener of this podcast, I am gonna be happy to meet you. Uh, if yeah, you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, I'm I'm or, I'm, or I'm, you I'm do you will get I'll a be... talking to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, no, we, we look, we love be doing well the behaved. show and it's gonna be it's gonna be a ton of fun. And 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 I think we've talked about this, just the fact that, you know, look, um to have the opportunity to be doing something to you know after having been you know i would say cooped up but i don't mean that a pejorative way obviously we were doing the right thing the medical cdc um it was necessary but it'll be nice to sort of be around other people and celebrating this thing (laughs) (laughs) and 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 celebrating uh, uh the shows we we love and not celebrating the ones we don't. Um, so it'll be it'll be really a delight.
1: It'll be great. You'll it will see.
0: be. Thank you. So will you. <laughs> and we'll have some Italian because right. you love Italian. Sure. I'm just heartbroken that Red Square is out of business. Me too. We Me have too. to find some new new haunts.
1: We'll find something. the The rest the restaurant at the uh, at the top of the uh, Rio is pretty good. I actually took Doug Trumbull there. The Voodoo Lounge uh, when he was when he was there. No, 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 not the Voodoo Lounge. The steakhouse.
0: Up at the top. Do you remember? That's where um, uh, the after party after Rob Burnett got married uh, was. And everybody was still in costume. That's right. From that crazy, crazy wedding.
1: That was a long time ago. I'm sure they've forgotten about that.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll never forget.
1: Ming <laughs> the Merciless. Anyway.
0: <sighs> Stop it. Okay. Anyway, uh, on that note, I think it's time we get the hell out of here. This is a long one. So... um I wanna uh, you know, remind you that uh, you can listen to Inglorious Track Experts every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch us on video on the Electric Now streaming app, which is available um, by uh, downloading from your favorite app store, or on Roku, Stir TV, or um, Sling TV. A lot of options for watching us on the Electric Now channel. Um, also, you can listen to our sister podcast, The Great 430 Movie, where we curate fantasy theme weeks of uh, classic films. Uh, as well as the best movies never made with Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller. And of course, our new Star Trek podcast, the great Trexpert's Briefing Room, where we curate audio commentaries of significant Star Trek episodes with writers, producers, stars, and celebrity fans. So um, we hope you'll join us at the Trexpert's Briefing Room. Now, Trexpert's Briefing Room, we occasionally will drop an episode on the Inglorious Trex feed, but it is its own podcast. So, if you want to up
1: now, it's its own podcast feed.
0: If you you want to make sure you don't miss an episode of Trexperts Briefing Room, make sure you subscribe to Trexperts Briefing Room wherever you listen to podcasts. And that is not available on video, it's only an audio podcast. And, um, Of course, uh, we wouldn't be able to do the show without our amazing creative team, uh, the fabulous Bill Ritter, our sound engineer, Mark Rivera, um, our associate sound engineer, uh, Dylan Middlebrook, uh, who is the producer of the video segments. And, of course, our producers, associate producers, uh, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom and producer Natalie Miscalli. It takes a village. This is a massive undertaking to do the show. It sounds like two guys just bullshitting around a microphone, but it actually is a massive undertaking. Um, And we want to thank our guest Adam Malin for joining us um, to talk about uh, 50 years of creation. And we're looking forward to that coffee table book. That'll be fun. So uh, anyway, Darren, this is, this was great. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again next, uh, next Friday. So the last thing there is to say is keep on trekking and gloriously, of course, engage.